0: Joy-filled gospel people, right? The word gospel simply means good news. The gospel is an announcement. It is what Jesus said on the cross, right? It is finished. We so often confuse the the fruit of righteousness in your life with what the righteousness in your life actually is and where it comes from. Philippians chapter one, Paul is writing to a group of people that he loves dearly. He's writing to a church. He's writing to a body of believers, much like you and I. If you were to do a little background on Philippi and where it was, it has so many similarities. And I won't do that. I would just encourage you to find a study Bible and spend some time digging into God's word this week. But Paul comes and at the beginning here in, in the middle of thanking God for all of the people and for all that God was doing in the gospel, and even down to the fact that one of the complaints that was coming out of the city of Philippi and the church that was there is that there were some some guys preaching the gospel for the wrong reason. Does that sound like maybe something that might happen in twenty? 21 in the United States of America. Yes or no? We don't got to say names or think about it, but all across our country, there there are mixed motives for sharing the gospel. And it's everywhere. Even back to the New Testament. We search out our heart. And yet in the middle of that, Paul says, you know what? If the name of Jesus is being spread and being preached and people are meeting him, regardless of the intention, regardless of what it looks like on the surface, God can use that. God can do his work in that. And so it's in that setting of persecution, of Paul sitting in prison, of him writing to the people of God who are struggling with different things that he gives us really the thesis of his book. And this is not going to be on the screen. And if you're watching online, it's not going to be there. I just want you to look at it in your Bible. So either get your phone out or have your Bible open. And because I I want you to see it with your own eyes. I don't want you to just take my word for it. But listen to what Paul says, right? He's, He's thanking God for these people. And he's reminding them in verse seven that he's in prison, but that being in prison is actually serving God's purpose. And then he writes this in verse eight, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. Community. It's not individualistic. But here it is. Nine to 11 is the goal that Paul has hoped for, for this group of believers. And what I would say is my hope for us as Redeemer City Church in a brand new year. Here's what he says. It is my prayer. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. And That's not just a catchphrase. We want to continually work that muscle so that the first thing we do when anything happens, good, bad, or indifferent, is that we speak to the Lord about it. And so Paul right out of the gate is thanking God for these people. And he says, and here's my prayer. Here, here's what I'm going to say a bunch of things through this book. But if I had one prayer for you as the people of God, here's what it is. That your love may abound more and more. The first thing that Paul wants to see in prayer Through the body, the people of God, is that not only that they would be loving, but what, what does he, what does he say there? That, that it would actually abound, like leaps and bounds increase in their life. That it would abound more and more. And then here's what he says accompanied by a couple things, right? With knowledge and discernment. You see, one of the things that happens in the body of Christ sometimes is we will read certain verses and go, we got to love more. And then another group of Christians come along and be like, yeah, but have you read this verse? We got to tell the truth. It's not even loving to not tell people the truth. But those of you over here going, we got to love more, are going, nobody's going to listen to you tell the truth because you're a jerk. True or false? Very true, right? This is what we experience in life. And and really, it's the polarization of our culture, isn't it? I.e., election results. I.e., wearing a mask or not. I.e., the vaccine. We could just go on and on and on. Pepsi or Coke. I'm just kidding. Right, but, but we just, that's, that's funny, but it's true. Like we live in a culture where we're like, decide what's true. Decide what's true for you. And we all experience that literally every day of our life. And yet Paul is saying, I want your love to increase so much that you don't even look like the same person. I want it to abound out of you more and more and more and more along with being guided by knowledge and discernment. That you can actually love somebody that you disagree with. You, you don't even just have to love them through your disagreement. You, you can actually love them more and more and more and more as you are being truthful with that person. That th- that there is an entirely separate category for a believer in Jesus Christ in their interactions in our culture. That you, you actually can love with knowledge and discernment. Why is that so important though? Why do we talk about this almost every single Sunday? Love people and share good news with them even if it doesn't seem like it as we serve our city. Why? Why? Look what it says in verse 10. So that you may approve or prove what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Well, that sounds hard, but it's not because of verse 11. Filled with, here it is, the fruit of righteousness. Why is it the fruit of righteousness in my life? Because you aren't righteous on your own. Right? Right? Only through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago, he came, was born, he lived 33 years, and he died on the cross to be the propitiation, the atonement, the substitute for you and for me. So that there would be this fruit of righteousness that comes from abiding in him, that comes from connecting into him intentionally every day of your life, eternally and then practically the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Why? To the glory and praise of God. You, you wanna, you wanna put a banner over your 2021? Let's make it that. That everything that I do would be filled with the fruit of righteousness to the glory and praise of God. I'll sign up for that mission. Right? That I can, I can go to work to the glory and praise of God. Some of you, your reality is different. You don't have a job. Maybe you are homeless right now. What what would it look like for you to be in your community to the glory and praise of God? And how can the rest of this body learn from you? We, Every single one of us has a mission from God that if we've been set free, we have good news to share so that those around us might be set free. It all matters, but it's amazing because you can do everything you did last year, but shift your mindset that I'm doing this not to earn a paycheck, not to make my life more comfortable, but for the glory and praise of God. What would 2021 look like, pandemic or no pandemic, if we were living with that kind of perspective? And just be reminded that you can't manufacture that. That comes from an intentional participation with the spirit of God every day of your life. That's the choice that we make, to participate in God with us. So Paul says, I I have this prayer for you that you would just love, 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 with knowledge and discernment, that, that you would just be an altogether different people than the ones in the world around you. To the praise and glory of God. And so that is what he's wanting for the people. And then you fast forward then into verse 19, and this one will be on the screen because as he's praying this for the people of God and calling us into this, he says this, for I know that through your prayer, so he's praying that this reality will take place in their life, knowing that it's through their prayer, right? That this 21 days of prayer isn't just a campaign, it's a lifestyle, and if you don't have that lifestyle, we want to invite you into it these next 21 days with us, but it does not end in 21 days. Here's what he says. Because I know, Paul's saying, I know that your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He's saying, you praying and you cooperating with the Spirit of God will produce deliverance. Good news will set people free he 's not just writing that he 's believing that he 's staked his life on it he 's gone to prison for it and so here in verse nineteen, we see that that we we rejoice in the gospel 's work if you 're taking notes these would be two good things to write down if you 're on the u version bible app then they 're there with blanks if you want to fill them in but here 's the reality i 'll be on the screen for you is that we rejoice in the gospel 's work through First, the power of prayer, the power of prayer. This is such a given when the body of Christ gathers that you've already tuned it out. (laughs) It's just, we are just so conditioned prayer. God's people pray, I'm in, got it, move on. But can I just, can I stop us? Because I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of this of just knowing that there's power there and moving past it. Knowing that if I would actually stop and commit to pray, things could change. Things could change. The Bible is chock full of scriptures that talk about how prayer totally disrupts the status quo. And so as you write that down, I, I just don't gloss past it because what he's saying is that I know through your prayers, I'll actually be delivered from my problem. James would say the same thing to the church in Jerusalem, didn't he? That the effective, powerful prayer of a righteous person, which just simply means they're confessing Jesus as Lord and he's given them the righteousness, the fruit of righteousness in their life that that person, their prayers have great power. It's all over the place. Jesus himself looked at his disciples and said, ask anything in my name and and it'll happen. Why can he say that? Because you have to ask it in his name, (laughs) right? You can be like, I need a yacht. (laughs) Boom, yacht. I knew it. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's not what he's talking about, right? No, no, he, he may actually have you in the situation you're in, suffering because that is to the praise of his glory. Oh, I don't, I don't like that. That wasn't what I had in mind for 2021. But our whole perspective changes if we recognize that my life, no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing, is for the praise of his glory. And, and, and if I'll connect to him, if I'll pray in 2021, everything can be different. Like, like it, it can, it can actually be different, like not empty promises. Things can change. Why? Why is my prayer so powerful? The second thing he said there is that we rejoice in the gospel's work through the power of our prayer, but also with the participation of the Holy Spirit, right? That's the second one that you need to write down because they go together. We, we are rejoicing in the power of our prayer, but only because there's power available to us in the Holy Spirit. And probably so many of you are are not used to, like I for so long, and even now, we are just not used to walking in the Spirit because we live in a culture that says you can actually pull yourself up and get things done. But wouldn't it be tragic if that was your testimony That in this life you gained the whole world. That you gained the whole world. But forfeited your soul. That's what Jesus said. He said, what does it gain a man if he, if he, if he gains the whole world? What's a profit of man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? You could have the best business. You could affect positive change in so many people. You could do all those things. You could gain the whole world. But if you've lost your soul, what's that profit? And it's, it's an arresting thing because it's true. And when the Spirit of God is speaking that to us, we feel it. And so we rejoice in the gospel's work. We have, we have incredible joy because we know the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit that it's real, that it's moving. And I think that that reality changes our perspective in three specific ways that I wanna give you from Philippians chapter one. Before I move to that though, I I want you to just sit with it for one more minute and ask yourself the question, is is that just too far-fetched? Is that just too far-fetched? If you're sitting at home today, is it just too far-fetched for the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit to evidence themselves? To, as Isaiah said, right? Isaiah prayed, oh God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. That has long been the cry of the people of God, that he might move and act on our behalf. Is it really far-fetched? You see, because we we live in like an Acts 17 context, don't we? That's the story where the Apostle Paul, the same guy who writes this letter to his friends in Philippi, is standing in Athens at the center of economic, religious prosperity. He's standing there with the elite, the supreme court of the day, the smartest of the smart, the powerful people. And he's looking around this pantheon of gods, this pantheon of idols. And they're just lined up one after another. And he comes to one and it says to the unknown God. And Paul stops and goes, let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about this unknown God. He just, he goes and he, he preaches the gospel to them. And I just want you to know that you're in that situation. You're, you live, I live, we live in an Acts 17 context. There, there is this pantheon of God's all around us in, our, in the city of Tampa. They're everywhere. You and I wrestle with them daily. Because the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers of the prince of the darkness of this world. And so you're, we're, we're in that context and we, we need the power of prayer. We need the power of the Holy Spirit every single day because we're not gonna live out the fruit of righteousness that God has already deposited in your life unless you're connected to that reality. How's that reality? Change your perspective. Like what does that do for you tomorrow? And you've been hearing me say that a lot because I want you to actually know and believe that if you will read this book, study this book and pray to the God who wrote this book, your life will change. It'll be slower than you want It'll look different than you want because trust and dependence is the goal. So if you get too good too fast, you'll stop looking up. But let me give you the three ways straight from Paul's mouth. Number one, if you're taking notes, living, I get to serve Christ. (laughs) What an awesome thing look at look at Paul's words here in Philippians one twenty one. for to me he's like listen it, it i'm so excited about a lot of different things Paul says whether i live or die he says in verse 20 doesn't matter to me but here's the reality here here's what the power of prayer and the power of the holy spirit does in Paul's life as he writes this letter from prison it says for me to live if i get to live it's christ it's christ if if I continue to live and he'll go on and say, and you can read it later uh, in verse twenty two he says if i if I continue to live in this flesh, like it just means more fruit, so i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing i'm going to keep sharing the gospel I'm going to keep praying i'm going to keep uh, serving you. I'm going to keep doing all these things and it's going to mean fruit. He doesn't, he doesn't even think, you know, if God wills, more people will come to Christ. No, no, no. He says, those are the things God wants to do. So Paul's saying, if I live, it's Christ and more fruit. Incredible. Because his perspective is not reliant on himself. Remember you see you and I are like, man, wouldn't it be incredible if I got to lead somebody to Jesus this year? Man, that would be awesome. Paul's saying, you can. For me to live is Christ. Verse 22, if I live in the flesh, fruitful labor for me. If I live, I get to serve Christ. I get to share good news. I'm going to love God. I'm going to share good news. I'm going to serve my city. For me to live is Christ. And then what's even more incredible than that is this next statement. Number two, if you're taking notes, the way this specifically changes your life is this. Dying, I get Christ. (laughs) Living, Jesus. Dying, Jesus. It's a win-win. We talk about win-win situation. You want to talk about the ultimate win-win situation? Having the Spirit of God in your life. Because if I, if I live, awesome. Jesus. If I die, Awesome. I get to see Jesus. Paul's Paul's perspective is completely different than the one that we live with. Completely different. Living, I get Christ. Dying, I get Christ. Because in verse 27 and 28, if you want to write this down, it's because we... Become gospel minded believers. That's not on the screen, but I want you to write that down because that's the fruit of righteousness in your life. If, if I can actually live in such a way that if I live, Jesus. <laughs> if I die, Jesus. If, if, if I live that way, it's because I, I am becoming Actually a gospel minded believer. We, we, in the, in the pastor world, we throw around these terms like gospel centered. And it's like a fancy way of saying, if I live, Jesus. If I die, Jesus. But it's one thing to have a good statement. It's a totally different thing for that to specifically change your perspective tomorrow. That, that it would shape and alter the decisions you make tomorrow because God is actually present in your life. It's a game changer if if, if we'll lean into that. So living, I get Christ. Dying, I get Christ. I, I'm becoming this gospel-minded person where Jesus is actually in my life. But here's where the rubber meets the road because all of that sounds awesome. And I'm doing my best to sell it to you. Like I'm really excited about it because I am. But this is where the rubber meets the road is number three. What Paul's going to say to us is this. If those are true, we engage in the privilege of suffering for Christ. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that one. <laughs> Remember, though, Paul's sitting in prison which is not like our prisons. You can find pictures of what a prison looked like in Philippi and it was likely at the bottom of a hill where sewage would run. Smelly, dirty, maybe you get to eat, maybe you don't. You're definitely chained to something. And Paul's writing these words in verse 29 and 30. Think about the language here. Verse 29, for it has been what? What's it say? Granted to you. I said it's a privilege because that's what Paul says as he's sitting in prison. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe, <laughs> that's the one we talk about all the time, that you should not only believe in him, but you also have been granted this privilege to suffer. To suffer for his sake. In 2021, that probably won't look like you being beaten to death, but it might look like you having lose, uh, might look like you losing friends. It might look like you losing a job. It might look like you being embarrassed at armature works with your Bible. It might look like you being, and you fill in the blank, with whatever it is, chances are, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the places that you're compromising being a Christian. I get the privilege to engage in the suffering for Christ. Verse 30, Paul just says, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here that I still have. So what, what's he say that for? Because progress in God's kingdom looks different than progress in ours. Doesn't it? Paul said, the last time we chatted, you saw me suffering. Now you're suffering and I'm still suffering. The circumstances for either of them hadn't changed since the last time they chatted. But what did change is their perspective how they saw and engaged in the privilege that it was granted to them to suffer. Listen, Redeemer City Church, it it is our privilege. It's been granted to us to suffer for his sake. And I don't know what that's gonna mean in 2021, but 2021 can be and should be and probably will be your best year ever but not because you get more awesome, but because you see Jesus more and more and more awesome than yourself. Be a good place to say amen. You say it in faith (laughs) because that's going to be extremely difficult. I want to show it to you in pictures. Maybe you're a visual, visual learner like me. Uh, throw up that first set of circles. You have a choice in the matter. If your life is the circle, if you are the circle, you the, the way you participate in the future that God's bringing is by who you put in the middle of your life. The choice you're going to make is either you're going to be in the middle or God will be in the middle. That's the choice that we make But let me just be really clear. If you are in the center, go to the next one for me. If you're in the center, then you have to produce out of yourself all those things. If you are the center of your life, then it's up to you to find joy this year. It's up to you to find hope this year. It's up to you to find purpose for your life. It's up to you to find meaning in your life. If you're at the center, it's on you to get all that done. It's on you to love your life. It's on you to do those things. But for how, how, however old you are, for that many of years, you've failed at that. For more years than I'd like to admit, I've, I've failed miserably at that. Listen, planting a church a few years ago, you want to talk about exposing every single one of your idols Boom, (laughs) that was me. If I'm at the center, I have to produce everything in my life. But go to the next slide there. If God's at the center, what is the fruit of righteousness in my life? If in 2021, God's at the center and I'm not, then he is the one who produces purpose in your life. He's the one that produces joy in your life. He's the one that brings meaning to your life. He is the one that produces shalom. Shalom is peace. Shalom is wholeness, fullness, complete in Christ. That's the decision that you get to make in 2021. Who is your center? Because in reality, every time we make goals and every time we set New Year's resolutions, most often we are at the center of those goals, aren't we? It's human nature. The Bible's so clear that Romans 1, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. The prophets in the Old Testament would say, we all like sheep have gone astray. We, every single one of us, search for our own way. But then Isaiah would say, because of that, on Jesus, God laid the iniquity of us all. So how do you really change this year? How do you really change? What, what does it look like? What, what kind of resolutions do I need to set to rejoice in the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, shifting my perspective to where living is Christ, dying is Christ. (laughs) What can I do right now in 2021, the first weekend of 2021? What kind of resolutions can I make? I normally don't make resolutions, but I want to give you seven. These are not on the screen. So, if you want to write these down, I'll try to go slow. If you miss them, they'll be on the YouTube channel. All right, twenty twenty one, seven New Year's resolutions. Number one, become a member of a healthy church. Don't just attend. Put your skin in the game. Become a member, and if if if, if this isn't the one, fine. Find one, find a healthy Bible teaching, Bible believing, not worried about themselves, group of people who are in their city on mission every day of the week, not just on Sunday. Become a member of a healthy church because that is according to the Bible, your family and your actual body. Like you need to take ownership in that place because I'll tell you right now, if you ripped my elbow off, I wouldn't know about it and I wouldn't like it and I'd want my elbow back right now. Like that's what Jesus says. Like you are the body of Christ. So this idea that you can just bounce around and do your thing, that's not what God had in mind. Become a member of a healthy church. Number two, get up 30 minutes earlier. Duh. Some of you already do this, but many of us do not. (laughs) Get up 30 minutes earlier. Why? So that number three, you can start every single day in the Bible. The Bible says, seek what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. So I actually think giving God the first of your year in 21 days of prayer, giving God the first of your day, even if it's one minute, two minutes, shifts, changes your perspective. Have a plan. Do what you'll actually sustain. Don't wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm gonna read 10 chapters of the Bible. I'm gonna do it every day. I'm gonna knock this out in two months. You're not gonna sustain that. But what if you had a verse come to you first in the morning, every single day of 2021. And you read it and you prayed. Start every day in the Bible. Number four, start a prayer list. One of the funnest things about 2020 for me was looking back in one of my older Bibles about when I was dreaming about planting a church. And one of the things that, and there was a bunch of things that God's answered and I've been able to record those dates, which is one of the beauties of that is recording the dates of when he answers, when he shows up, it's faith building. But one of those was, I knew that pastoring a church in Tampa Heights, we would need pastors here that don't look like me. And I didn't know where they were gonna come from. I didn't know where the resources were gonna come from. I didn't know where the relationships were gonna come from. And yet when I wrote that in my Bible six years ago, there was a guy named Jerome who met a guy named Zach And Zach challenged him, I think you could be in ministry. I think you need to be an elder in the church. I think you need to do all these things. And I think Jerome was like, meh, maybe not. And here we are. Six years later, I got to write a date on my prayer list where God showed up, where he he had begun orchestrating things on the other side of the country. You can't get farther away than Seattle and Portland. And yet God was moving Start a prayer list. Keep track of the answers. Be specific and watch God build your faith because he is answering. We're usually just moving on. (laughs) Number five, serve in the church. I'm not just talking about Sunday. You should do that. I'm talking about every day of the week, you're on mission as the people of God. You are on mission as the people of God. That the group of people you do life with and the believers that are around you all the time can be serving. Listen, why do I say serve the church? Because the church that God has built is the most powerful movement in the history of the world. It's the longest movement in the history of the world. It's the most powerful movement in the history of the world. And it's still happening and it's still going and it's not gonna die ever. So if you wanna hit your life to a great cause, Hitch the one that Jesus died for and rose from the dead for. That's a good cause. Number six, join a city group. Camden already talked about that, but listen, one of the things that'll help you is to start replacing some of the toxic influence in your life with believers, with people who love Jesus. Not that you never go spend time with other people, but that the main influence, the people that are shaping you are the people of God. It's very important. And then number seven, start being generous. Start being generous, whether it be to church, if you're already doing that, find people. Start being generous with your time, with your money, with all those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. God has designed things this way because he's the creator. And so when he lays that out for us, and we live by that, everything changes.